1 Thessalonians chapter 2 this evening. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13. I'm reading out of the Amplified Bible. It says, And we also thank God continually for this, that when you received the word of God concerning salvation, which you heard from us, you welcomed it not as the word of humans or mere men, but as it really is, the word of God, which effectually is at work in you who believe, exercising its inherent supernatural power in those who adhere to and trust in and rely on it. Notice the word of God that we receive exercises supernatural power in you. When the word of God is received, it works with supernatural power to transform a human life. Technically, it can raise the dead. It can bring healing. It can bring deliverance. It'll change everything. And so this evening, I want us to look at a pattern with Mary, the mother of Jesus, and show how Mary's life and her response to God's Word will also work for us. Now we go to the New Testament, Luke chapter 1, verse 26 through 28. And I'm reading out of the Passion Translation. And it says, during the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, the angel Gabriel was sent from God's presence to a virgin girl named Mary living in Nazareth, a village in Galilee. She was engaged to a man named Joseph, who was a true descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Grace to you, young woman, for the Lord is with you, and you are anointed with great favor. I think this is interesting. When the Lord is with you in any instance, you are blessed and highly favored. You need to say that about yourself. You are a child of God. You are blessed and highly favored. There is something special the enemy sees about you from everybody else who is a non-believer, doesn't know Jesus. You are marked with his spirit, and the enemy knows it. In Luke chapter 1, verse 29, it says, well, Mary was deeply troubled over these words by the angel and bewildered over what it might mean for her. I don't know, if you were 14 years old and this big angel showed up, I imagine you'd be close to freak out, don't you think? I mean, do you ever stop at Christmas and kind of put yourself into it and say, let's get real life about this? If that dude showed up in my living room, I think I'd be a little bit, a little bit freaky about it. Right? Yeah, please. Okay. And by the way, there, there's nothing to prohibit Gabriel from showing up anywhere. I mean, obviously, it's not on demand, but it happens. I'd kind of like a visit. How about you? <laughs> Some of you are not sure. When the Lord appears to you, I'm going to tell you, and speaks to you, sometimes it's troubling. And I'll tell you why it's troubling, because we will always think, I can't do this. How's that going to happen? I don't understand it. It probably won't work for me. It'll work for somebody else in church, but it won't work for me. I have to give 10% of my income to God. I won't even make it. Now, verse 30, then the angel said to her, Mary, don't be afraid, for you have found favor with God, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and you will call his name Jesus. So the first thing Mary had to do, and you have to do, and I have to do, is we have to learn to get rid of fear 
If you walk in fear, you will never be able to receive anything. You know, those afraid to fall will always tell you about the dangers of heights. Those that are not will tell you how beautiful the view is. So here's a good principle. Don't take advice from cowards. If your family is chicken little, if the people around you are frightful and afraid, don't take advice from a coward. And the greatest fear Satan puts in your life or mine is that the Word of God won't come to pass. What was the first thing Satan said to Eve in the Garden of Eden? The first recorded words. God spoke first, and then Satan spoke. And he said, hath God said. You can't trust what God said. Don't believe what he said. Couldn't possibly apply to you. And that's exactly what he'll say to Christians by the thousands sitting in churches across America. He wants you to fear that the word won't be conceived within you and that you are barren, destined to be barren. Your life will never be fruitful. You'll never make it. You'll never amount to anything. He wants you to believe that. Oh, because you have a past. Like who doesn't? If you are without a past, please stand, identify yourself, and I'll sit down because I don't think any such person exists. But the angel told Mary she would conceive and she would bring forth a son and it would be supernatural. See, we are people of God. We're gathered around a supernatural name. We're clothed in supernatural power. It appears to me occasionally something supernatural ought to happen. Sometime, a little bit, right? So this principle can also be applied to our lives spiritually. For you, maybe it's next week's rent. Maybe it's a raise or promotion. Maybe it's a family member coming to the Lord. Maybe it's an issue of your health. Maybe it's a legal matter you're facing in business. I don't know. God's word to you is, you shall conceive and bring forth. Whatever is supernaturally conceived in your heart by the Holy Spirit is going to come to pass. I don't care if you're 100 years old and God told you at 75 you're going to have a baby. That baby's coming. And that baby did come, by the way. If the Word of God is conceived in your heart, it will come forth. See, the Christian season, I think the Christmas season, reflects a time of spiritual conception. It's a time when the Word of God enters your spirit, grows within you, and ultimately produces fruit in your life. The angel told Mary in verse 31, Luke chapter 1, call his name Jesus. Notice he was named before conception. And folks, it's time for you to open your mouth and start calling those things that are not yet as though they already were. That's what God says. I want you to call those things that are not as though they are. And here's a good case of it happening right here. In Romans 4, verse 17, it says that's what the Scripture means when it says, I have made you the father of many nations. Abraham is our example and a father of somebody who was told something when it seemed impossible. But in God's presence, he believed that God could even raise the dead after God gave him Isaac at 100 years of age and then says, give him back to me. And without fail, he raised his hand to slay his son and offer him to the Lord. Scripture says, believing God could raise him back from the dead. 
Wow. Having a son in old age. That's confidence in God's word. He wasn't a perfect man, but he believed that if God said you're going to have a kid, then he's going to have to raise him up from the dead to get him back to me. And if God told you something, circumstances don't matter. Your age doesn't matter. What happened in your past doesn't matter. Not if God's given you a word. So it's time to call your deliverance forth. It's time to call healing forth. It's time to call painful uh, uh, memories to, to, to be banished. You know, it's time to call gainful employment to come forth, to call your prosperity forth. Whatever you're believing God for, you got to open your mouth and call it forth. Now listen, listen to this, Luke chapter 1, verse 19 and 20. Here is an angel that appears to the priest in the temple named Zacharias. And he's married to a woman, Elizabeth. And they're very old, Scripture says. God shut the mouth of Zechariah because he didn't want him to speak anymore until he was ready to agree with God. Wow. What if God shut your mouth until you agreed with what God said in his word about you? It'd be the quietest place on earth. <laughs> it sure would. And then, because he was negative, God shut his mouth. He says, you're going to hurt and hinder what I want to do by your words and by your unbelief. So finally, Zachariah's mouth was opened at the birth of the baby, and this is in verse 63 and 64 of Luke 1, and he said, call his name John. This was going to be John the Baptist. See, don't say I'm no good. Don't call yourself a failure. Don't call yourself uh, what the enemy has convinced you you are or you were. The enemy will always remind you of who you were instead of who you are. Call yourself what God Almighty calls you. He calls you blessed. He calls you favored. He calls you healed. He calls you prosperous. He calls you precious. The angel explained to Mary who Jesus was and what he would do. In Luke 1, verse 32, it says, He will be supreme and will be known as the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God will enthrone him as king on his ancestor David's throne. He will reign as king of Israel forever. And of his reign, it will have no limit. Mary said, how can this happen seeing I'm a virgin? That's an honest question. How many times have we asked that question? How shall this come to pass, Lord? In her case, it was, how shall it come to pass seeing I haven't had sex with a man? I haven't been intimate with a man. In your case, it might be, how shall this come to pass seeing my job only pays me $5.50 an hour? How shall this be since doctors don't yet have a cure? How shall this be since I only have a high school education? How shall this be since I'm a single mom? You fill in the blank. See, you're dealing with God here, not natural forces. You're you, you, you've got a war going on between two thoughts, one negative, one positive. And God's Word is forever settled in heaven, not the enemy's Word, God's Word. Notice there's a time factor involved in the anointing, always. There's a time factor between the Word given, then the Word tested, and then the manifestation of that Word coming to pass. 
Luke 1, verse 35, Gabriel says, The Spirit of God will fall upon you, and Almighty God will spread His shadow of power over you in a cloud of glory. This is why the child born to you will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. So if God's Word is conceived in your heart, in your spirit, it doesn't matter what's going on in your life. The only question is, what's going on in your spiritual womb, in your heart? What's going on there? God's Word is compared to seed. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23, Passion Translation, says, For through the eternal and living Word of God you have been born again. And this seed that was planted within you can never be destroyed, but will live and grow inside of you forever. So in Luke 8, Jesus compared his word to a sower going out to sow seed. You've seen farmers do that. And he says, when it is sown, immediately, not late in the next day, immediately Satan comes to steal it out of your heart. Why? So you'll miscarry it. So, so you'll abort what God has told you. See, God's word in you, he wants to abort your dreams, which leads to unbelief. You just finally get to the place you don't believe you can conceive or that God's word will work for you. You're going to face it all the time. See, if you have a barren womb, an empty heart, God's word is not alive in you and you're walking around empty. You're not expecting anything. Ever see a young wife and husband and they say, hey, we are expecting such excitement and joy. Well, here's a good question as we approach uh, Christmas Eve. What are you expecting? That's a good question. And if you're not expecting, nothing's going to happen because God's Word is not at work in you producing faith to expect. See, so when God speaks to us, when His Word comes alive in our hearts, how can you prevent a miscarriage or an abortion of what God has promised you? Let me suggest four simple ways. Number one, worship God. Right in the middle of Satan trying to abort what you've conceived, lift your hands and say, Father... I worship you. I praise you. Sing a song. Put on a worship CD. If you can't sing, you know, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. <laughs> Even God will accept that. If you can't sing good, give him some noise. See, the highest form of worship is obedience. And when you worship God, you obey God. Do exactly what God tells you to do in spite of what circumstances are telling you, in spite of what you feel. We walk by faith, not by sight. It's amazing to me how Christian people can hear the devil better than they hear God. They are so, my wife is, this week, I, I think we've had an unusual array of calls ranging from possibilities of flu, uh, of employment, of, of miscarriage or whatever, and I've heard her many times on the phone screaming, no, 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 that will not happen. Don't talk like that. And that's the first thing people do with fear. Well, I guess it's not going to work. Well, I guess that's not how you start this thing. You agree with God. You've got enough experience. You've got enough examples from Scripture to give you the right to say, I am standing on what God has said. By His stripes I am healed. I'm being healed. I shall be healed completely and wholly. And you stand, you've got to stand on that or you're going to stand on what the enemy's telling you. It's not going to work. There's no cure. You're not going to get better. Your mother died of it. You'll probably die of it too. She died at 54. You're 53. Your days are coming. 
I've heard people tell me that in church. Exactly what I just said to you. Doesn't something rise up in you to say, blank, no. That's the King James Version. I mean, you need to get mad about that and say, no, not on my watch. You're not going to penetrate the blood of Jesus Christ. I am begotten of God. The wicked one touches me not. If you can't fight, you're just going to be a patsy that the enemy just does this to you. You like that? You want some more? Okay. Just be a good loser. No. You stand on God's word no matter how difficult it seems, how impossible it seems. And talk to people with experience who have gone through something and been victorious about it. Don't talk to losers. Talk to people who are winners. Talk to people who have fought the fight you fight. People who have been through cancer. People who have been through divorce. People who have been through unemployment. Who have been through rejection or setback. Whatever it may be, a tragedy. Talk to them. People still in the fight. Still engaged in the enemy. And find your encouragement in that. Now, if you hear from the devil, here's a good suggestion. Just believe the opposite of what you just heard. Why? Jesus called him a liar and the father of all lies. If his lips are moving, he's lying. So worship God. Number two, magnify God. To magnify means make bigger. (laughs) Kind of like happens to us at Christmas with all the cooking and all the goodies, right? That's God enlarging your borders in the wrong way. By magnifying God, you minimize the problem. When Mary heard the word of the Lord to her, she responded, My soul magnifies the Lord. She didn't understand how. And my spirit has rejoiced in the God of my salvation. By the way, Mary had to be saved just like you. Now, if you come from a Catholic background, you're... uh, precious people. We're so indebted to have so many wonderful Catholic people that are our friends. But I got to tell you, Mary had to be saved just like you. She just said, my soul rejoices in the Lord, my Savior, right? So uh, there is nobody other than Jesus that had no sin that didn't need redemption, just by the way. And by the way, I think the, the exaltation of Mary is proper. I mean, imagine being chosen at around 14 years of age to birth the Son of God. She deserves. Uh, and to, to bear the stigma of pregnancy with no physical husband in, in danger of being stoned, I appreciate the honor for Mary. But she can't save you, okay? And she can't get you brownie points with Jesus. There's one mediator between God and man, I'm quoting scripture from Timothy, the man Christ Jesus. You got one mediator. It's not me. It's not the Pope. It's Jesus. One mediator. And that in Spanish is uno. One. I can count up to five. That's it. So when God's word is alive in you, it becomes bigger than your circumstances. But we often allow our problems to become larger than God. Stop that. Learn to magnify God when you're washing the dishes. Learn to magnify him driving. Lord, I thank you. Your name is above every name. It's above cancer. It's above the flu. I know there's 30 states with flu outbreaks. 2,000 people have died. It's going around. The enemy will tell you, (coughs) oh, I'm probably coming down. Stop it. 
you immediately go into battle mode. Thank you by your stripes I am healed. I am begotten of God. The wicked one touches me. Not, Lord, you sent your word to heal me, to deliver me from all my destructions. I am covered in the blood of Jesus. Every virus, every flu virus that touches my body will die instantly. And you fight back. Minimize this thing. Magnify God. Lord, your name is above every name. Nothing's above you or your word. Don't give more attention to the problem and less attention to God's Word. Don't sit there sucking your thumb and singing the blues. Sing praise to God. Number three, keep your faith alive and let the devil know it's alive. If the devil tries to stop you from doing something, act on the Word. If he's trying to stop you from being a blessing to somebody, go to somebody to bless. Just the opposite. Just the opposite of what he's telling you to do, right? And number four, Learn to become a distribution center. You know what that is. Satan hates a distribution center because you become an extension of God's hands on earth. You become his instrument. I don't know if this has occurred to you, but thinking back over my life, every major blessing I've had came through a human being that God used to bless me. And I'll guarantee you whether to curse Satan uses people to hurt you, to lead you astray, to be a bad influence on you. God uses people to do just the opposite. Did you you realize that? I mean, a blessing doesn't just float down. Oh, look, a check. That would be nice, but doesn't. No, he'll use someone to bless you. And he can bless you with people who are not Christians. He can open a door. God turns the heart of the king any way he wants. Yeah, he may not believe in God, decry your God, and God will use him to meet your need or her. You, you never know, right? So there's a spiritual battle over who's going to have the most instruments working on earth. Satan wants people through which to work. God wants people, instruments, through which to do his will. Well, I hope you've decided like me that as for me and my house, we're going to be instruments for Almighty God. As for me and my house, Joshua said, we're going to serve God. I want to be a distribution center. I don't want to be a stinking swamp. I want to be a raging river. See, Lord, whatever you want done around me, around my center of influence, bring it to me. I'll distribute it properly. If somebody needs love, I'll share love. If somebody needs mercy and grace, I'll share mercy and grace you've extended to me. If somebody needs financial resources, I will share what you have blessed me with. If somebody needs joy, I will share the joy you've given me, and I'll distribute that to them. See, decide to become a distribution center. Don't just be a life of a consumer. Don't just eat everything God gives you and share nothing. Be a distribution. Share, give, and it shall be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, shall men, human instruments, Given to you. Well, nobody ever done anything for me. Well, because you never done anything for anybody else, Sparky. That's a principle of God. Everybody you help doesn't bless you back. God says what you make happen for someone else, I'll make happen for you. So the more you can make happen for other people, the more God can make happen for you. We've lived to see that for so many, many wonderful years. You know, at this Christmas time, it's time for us, all of us, like Mary, to conceive. What is it that God wants to birth through you? What is it that God wants to birth in you? There has to be something. 
Let's stop playing church. Let's desire results in everything we do this coming year. I want results in my prayer life. I want results in my giving. I want results in our church. I want results in everything God says that I or you are supposed to have. I want those results. Mary said, I have received your word. Be it unto me according to thy word. She didn't have any technology or understanding of how, that's, how she's going to conceive as a virgin. She just said, okay, if that's what God has said, be it unto me according to your word. She didn't, she had no education. She had no famous parents. She wasn't the daughter of one of the temple priests. She was a nobody. She was a wonderful girl living in Nazareth, which was basically a trailer park that fugitives, a little truck stop in the middle of nowhere. And God loves to do extraordinary things to ordinary people. people. Religious people hate that, but God loves it. I don't know. So I need to say, Lord, be it unto me according to everything your word says about me in your word. Don't argue with God's word. Don't try to figure it out and how it will work. Just say to God, be it unto me according to your word. Remember, they couldn't believe Jesus could be born to a virgin, but it happened. They couldn't believe Jesus would be raised from the dead, but it happened. They couldn't believe that clay on a man's blind eyes with spittle could give him sight, but it happened. They didn't believe Jesus could feed more than 5,000 people with five loaves and two fish, but we read last week, it happened. They didn't believe a widow could have her dead son come back to life, but it happened. And this same Jesus who caused all these things to happen can save your spouse, heal your body, solve your problem. So it's time, as we close this year out almost for Christmas Eve, it's time to conceive spiritually, to make up your mind to willingly receive God's Word. Don't debate it. Don't doubt it. Just determine the Word is going to go in your heart, and when it does, it's going to cause superhuman power and energy to work on the inside. God majors in taking messes and making them masterpieces. He takes you from mediocrity to magnificence. All you have to do is give Him the opportunity by letting God's Word work within you with supernatural power and energy. And just like Mary, we can bring forth the promise of God. So here's the question we close with. Are you expecting tonight expecting healing in your body. Well, I've had a long fight. don't care about how long it's been. I just care about getting well. Are you expecting? Are you expecting a favorable end to legal litigation going on in your life right now? doesn't take away the fight, but it keeps the expectation we'll get through this. And you ought to face every crisis that way. I'm expecting this to be resolved in my favor. How about deliverance? Are you expecting that addiction, that habit? Whom the Son sets free shall be free indeed. That is a scripture that's clear. God sets captives free. So you do not have to live with that addiction. Are you expecting to be free from it? Are you expecting gainful employment? You may have to take a mediocre job as an interim. Somebody this past week was complaining to me about some job, and I said, hey, wait a minute. Thank God it's a temper. It's not your future. That's pretty obvious, but it's keeping you from starving to death. Thank God for it. 
It's a, it's a raven that brought something for you to eat. Yeah, it's not the finish line, but don't, don't, don't uh, look in the mouth of the horse that's feeding you. You know, God, thank you that I've got this job at the moment. I thank you I'm expecting better things for my life. But thank you for that because he loves gratitude. How about expecting a breakthrough in your finances? Learning to trust God. Learning to give so God can give back to you. Simple principle of scripture. Are you expecting a financial breakthrough? Several people sowed this past year some significant financial gifts above their tithes and offerings. Significant business people. And I said, are you expecting that financial harvest that's going to come from this sacrifice? Because it's a big one. And big ones don't usually come. It takes three years for an elephant to have a baby. It takes mama's nine months. Mama, aren't you glad you're not an elephant? <laughs> See, the bigger, the bigger the harvest, the longer it takes to germinate. And God's got some stuff working. So I'm expecting I'm expecting a paid-for screen. I got lots of expectations. I'm expecting us to have a year of significant debt reduction coming up in 2020. Are things working? Yeah, things are working. I'm expecting. Some things do, some things don't, but I'm fully expecting. It will be resolved. Some of you are facing a health issue. Are you expecting God to give you healing in that area? And are you doing everything you can do, should do, in order to achieve that healing. But I claim God's promises. Tomorrow we'll be praying for a young lady that's not able to have a child. And I just wrote out for her on a piece of paper about six or seven solid scriptures about barrenness and what God says about it and about a barren womb and about what he'll do to make it fruitful. And I'm going to tell her, now I had it typed for you, you take it home, and like you take an antibiotic or you take vitamins every day, every day I want you to read these out loud. I want you, every time you're tempted to fear or feel depression, read it again out loud about God's promise to you until you're expecting that God will reverse this, this disruption in your body and bring conception. See? No, no, no secret here, but when God says something, Quit saying, yeah, for him, but not for me. You don't know how bad I've been or what a ditch I'm in. God can, if he can raise the dead, tell me about your ditch. Tell me. If he can save harlots and hookers and pimps and prostitutes, tell me about your past. Gag me. God's like, bring it on. He died for the vilest of us, not the best of us. And you'll see Christmas Eve. The trademark of Jesus is he shows up in nasty places, and he shows up with nasty people. And everybody in Summit ought to feel good about that. For more information on Summit Christian Center, visit summitsa.com.